welcome to another edition of the Scouting Spotlight podcast on the World Football Index. We have a very special show for you today where we will be looking at Group B of the 2019 South American Under-20 Championship. I'm your host, Austin Miller, joined as always by Tom Robinson. Tom, one of your favorite competitions in world football. Today we'll be looking at Group B, which features Argentina, Ecuador, Paraguay, Peru, and Uruguay. It should be a fun show. A lot of really promising players. This competition always seems to give us a couple of new names to pencil into the scouting spotlight long list, no? Definitely. Just when uh, our, our list is sort of starting to dry up, then we can rely on the good old Sudamericana to come around and, and give us a whole new list. Or certainly give a chance to, for us to see some of these players play a load of games in a short space of time um, for us to then sort of run our eyes over and then, and then sort of tell the world about it. <laughs> I think the interesting thing about this competition, and we mentioned this on the Group A podcast that we did uh, along with Adam and Simon, so if you haven't checked that out yet, be sure to check that out, is this competition happens over such a short period of time, particularly in the initial group stage, where you're playing four matches in basically eight days. You get to see just about everybody that's in the squad. There's not a player who goes to this competition and doesn't play some kind of role, and I think that's where it really helps from a talent evaluation standpoint this person may not be the best at their position at this age group but they'll get chances exactly and it definitely rewards the the teams that have the best strength and depth uh, it's all well and good having uh, a really good 11 but if you don't have the guys who can come and make an impact off the bench or who can step in when there's a suspension and trust me there will be suspensions um then you you're going to struggle so it's it's a really challenging tournament and i think it's great preparation for for these young players going forward and yeah i'm absolutely buzzing for it well let's start with a side that's near and dear to your heart tom let's start with argentina who in 2017 scratched their way to the 2017 under 20 world cup i think is the best way to describe that just one win in the initial group stage their three draws were enough and then they got into the qualifying group and actually had a negative goal differential but still beat brazil out by a point for a spot in the under-20 World Cup. The feeling around this Argentina team, though, is that it's probably going to be better this time around. Yeah, definitely. I think last time we, there was a whole drama around the you know, the, the whole structure and, the, and the, the manager in charge and how little time and preparation they've been given. Um, we obviously got some good players out of that. It was the kind of uh, launch pad for Lautaro Martinez, and it's been amazing to see what he's gone gone and done in the uh, the two years since um, but certainly they, they were absolutely nowhere near a, a fully functioning team and they were lucky to make it to the World Cup where they duly didn't do very well so I'm expecting a little bit more um, from from Argentina this year I'm it's been a shame because they've, they've lost a couple of key players through injury but there's there's a good strength and depth and balance to this squad. Balance is something we haven't really seen a lot of over the years at Argentinian youth level. But I think finally the realization has come that they need a shake up and they need to start um, looking at players in all kinds of positions rather than just the attacking ones. You mentioned those absences for Argentina. Agustin Almendra is one that is certainly big, and Ezequiel Barco was looking to join Carlos Cuesta as scouting spotlight. Uh, alumni, if you will, at this competition, but he won't be in the squad. So two pretty big losses for Argentina. But as you said, there's a lot of talent in the rest of the squad to hopefully make up for those. Yeah, particularly Almendra, I'm, I'm disappointed that he's he's missing because he's a he's a really technical but but also physical presence in in the midfield. He's he's quite tall and lanky, and he just kind of has these long strides that can see him t- uh, 
move away. He started out as a number 10, but has sort of dropped into a, a deeper lying position now, more of a, more as an eight. And he's got a bit of a, bit of Pogba, a bit of Raquel May about him. And, and I thought this could have been um, a really big tournament to see him uh, take it to the next level and, and become a star in, uh, in 2019. So gutted that he's going to miss be missing because he's the type of midfield that Argentina don't have a lot of right now. Um, and Barco as well. He, he didn't really do much at the last time round due to, you know, just being, being a bit younger, being a bit naiver perhaps. Um, but I think in that position, at least, Argentina are pretty well set with um, the guy who I think is going to be the revelation for them. It's Thiago Almada from uh, from Vélez Sarsfield. He's he's only 17, but he's going to be the guy tasked with the creative responsibility. He's he's had a long uh, sort of hype building about him. He's from the same barrio as Carlos Tevez, and he's just that typical diminutive Argentinian number 10 with excellent dribbling skills, a bit of creation. Um, a bit of invention about him, and he's he's already started um, getting some goals in the Vélez senior team. Um, I think he's got three goals and two assists in in about uh, eleven games for Gabriel Ainz's, um Vélez side. Um, so he, he's he's someone who I think that people will have will have heard of before, but it'll be their first chance to get a real glance of him. So he is he is definitely the the star man going forward to watch out for. Tom, as far as Barco is concerned, could could you say he missed the boat on this competition? <laughs> yeah, he did indeed. Um, it's uh, I'm, I'm impressed that you're getting on on board for the uh, the puns as well, Austin. Good usage um, of on board there. I like that. Was that intentional? Uh, I mean, it just you know, it just occurred to me like all my uh, great and not so great puns. But um, moving away from those and and sort of looking back at something that a bit more solid and um, and, and uh, reliable than uh, than my sense of humour, um, it actually looks like Argentina might have a couple of centre backs who. Um, are the real deal and, and could go on to big things. Um, Leonardo Belerdi, who's who's just moved from Boca to Borussia Dortmund for about 16 million euros. Um, he looks really, really good. He's not had a lot of senior football and, and the move is, is definitely a gamble going that young. But um, he's definitely now, especially with this big money move, ever, all eyes are going to be on him, um, much in the same way that uh, Juan Foyf sort of emerged and, and got that move across to Spurs. I think Belerdi going to be the, uh, the the young centre-back that Argentina are, are praying comes through. And alongside him, then, looks like um, it's most likely to be Nelwyn Perez, who's actually already moved to um, Atletico Madrid. He's back on loan at Argentinos Juniors, and they're having a pretty shocking time. But as an 18-year-old centre-back, he's also someone who looks like he could um, develop in into something special. So, um, it's, yeah, we might actually have uh, an Argentinian side that's that's solid at the back this time. That would be a rarity for Argentine sides at the international level. Going forward, Tom, you mentioned the midfielder Almada. You expect him to be kind of the fulcrum of creation. Where do you think the goals will come from in this Argentina side? Obviously, you've got Alvarez, who's at River Plate. Um, Santiago Sosa, another River Plate player who, who I'm kind of interested to see. As far as forward players are concerned, who should we watch out for in this competition? Well, the two big men up front who are going to come into the tournament with a lot of expectation and hype um, are both based abroad, actually. And first of all, you've got Facundo Colidio, who's uh, in, at Inter Milan. He's, he's been there for a little while now. Um, I think he was snapped up by them after his performances uh, under 17 level. Uh, again, another Boca youth uh, product, if, uh, if memory serves me. And he's someone who's who's got a great record for Argentina and 
and they'll be expecting big things from the other is um maxi romero who uh another velas product so this we've got quite a, a lot of velas and bocker in there uh this time around and and he's a uh, He's at PSV Eindhoven. He's he struggled with injuries, and I, I don't know how much of a dent he's made um, in that very impressive PSV side at the moment. But he, he came back. He got the winner the other day in, in one of the build-up games for Argentina. And he's someone who's who's been on the scene since he was about 16, obviously links to Arsenal in the past, and, and a, an all-round powerful forward. It's just going to be interesting to see how, how good and fresh he's looking because um, certainly he's got all the attributes to to be that that number nine in the kind of Higuain um, kind of role for for Argentina, hopefully a bit more decisive in key moments. But he he's someone who I've I've followed for uh, yeah, about four years now, and it it could be his time, yeah, at twenty years old to uh, sort of show that promise that he's he's been threatening for a while. As you mentioned, Alvarez is you know he got he got a a run in the Libertadores uh, final second leg there, so he's someone who's Obviously, high, highly rated at River. Adolfo Gaich um, was very good for the um, under-20s at the Lacudia tournament that the Argentina actually won. And and one player that I think um, might surprise a few people, I don't know how much of a role he's going to get, but is the is young 17-year-old Pedro de la Vega, um, who, who's, uh, who's done some good things for Lanús and, and looks a bright prospect as well. So, yeah, interesting talents up front, I think some obvious standout members of the squad and, and a real spine to the team. How much they have kind of in, in the other positions um, is going to be interesting. I think it's going to be more a case of round pegs in round holes, making the most of uh, letting the, the real star players shine. So it's going to be interesting. I don't think it's necessarily the most star-studded Argentinian t- team, but certainly one that, that looks to have a good balance to it this year. And how do you see this Argentina team faring as far as World Cup qualification is concerned? The top four teams from this competition will go to the World Cup. You need to be in the top three in your initial group and then in the top four in the final group of six teams where you'll play five matches. That should be the goal for this Argentina team, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, the goal is always going to be to reach the under-20 World Cup. I think this year they're in a better position to reach than they were last time. I also think, I mean, apart from Brazil, uh, I don't think there's any necessary other standout teams that they should be afraid of. But having said that, I think that that the level just below Brazil, there's there's lots of teams that are all quite similar. Um, so they could get edged out, but I think we're at least going to see them get the get to the hexagonal, and and I'd back um, I'd back them to reach the um, under twenty World Cup. Kind of feels like maybe a, a hexagonal qualification, and then you know eight or ten points in that hexagonal to finish second or third and make the World Cup. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, I think there's going to be a couple of games, as as I'm sure we'll see in in both groups um, that could that could be decisive. But certainly, I don't think there's too much to choose between them and Uruguay and Paraguay, um, just in the same way that there's probably not too much to choose between uh, Chile, uh, uh, Colombia and Venezuela. And you could see maybe the odd games, seeing one team feeling a bit unlucky to to have lost out. But I, I, th- I think that there's enough here in this Argentina side to, uh, to, yeah, to get through. So um, I'm backing my boys. Let's move on to Paraguay, Tom. Uh, you mentioned them that you kind of see them maybe a level just below Argentina. I'm really intrigued by this Paraguay side. I think there's a lot of players in it who I'm excited to watch. You've got a couple that are in Brazil at the youth level, Anibal Vega with Palmeiras and Antonio, Antonio Galeano, who just moved to Sao Paulo uh, from Rubio and you. This is an interesting Paraguay side, and I 
think I kind of like them to make the World Cup from this position. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if they did as well. I think, um, you know, they're not always the most uh, glamorous nation. And certainly two years ago as well, I, I, I thought they had a, a really good squad and that were unlucky not to make it last time as well. Um, you know, players like um, Medina, uh, Paredes, Blas Riveros. I thought they were, they had a good, good, uh, solid uh, side last time. And, and quite a few of the those uh, under 20s from last time have now been doing quite, quite good things in the Argentinian league, certainly some of the defenders there. So... Paraguay a side that I think people underestimate and um, certainly they've got a lot of young, exciting talents who did well at under 17 uh, level two years ago and have been making waves in, in the Paraguayan uh, Primera. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I think that they could, um, they could definitely be making the hexagonal, that's for sure. Yeah, you, you've mentioned that under 17 performance. In 2017, they qualified for the under 17 World Cup. And 12 players from that under-17 World Cup squad will be in this Paraguay squad at the South American Under-20 Championships. So a lot of familiarity with each other. I think that can really help. There's no doubt about that. As far as some names to watch out for, I talked with Roberto Rojas, a Paraguayan journalist who we've had on the World Football Index before. He provided some good information. I did some some scouting for myself. I mentioned Galeano in Vega. Galeano just moved from Rubio New to Sao Paulo. He was impressive at the under-17 World Cup. He's a technical right winger and he's got a really really strong shot uh, that was one thing that really impressed me in watching clips the ball just seemed to fly uh, off his off his foot when he when he aimed for the target he had a really nice goal against Mali at that under 17 world cup so he's certainly one to look out for providing some some trouble for opposing fullbacks and then Anibal Vega a 18 year old dual national who plays at Palmeiras in the youth setup uh, we talked about Palmeiras on the Group A preview podcast. They're doing some really good things at the youth level. And Vega is another product of that. Uh, he's a very physical player, I think, for his age. He had a brace at the Under-17 World Cup um, with some help from a really poor goalkeeper for the New Zealand side. But hey, you'll take the goals as they come. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in front of goal for this Paraguay side. And then a couple of other players. I think the standout name, and Tom, you can back me up on this, is Fernando Cardoso. Just 17, but at Olympia, he's already made 33 professional appearances. Um, he started 26 times for them in 2018. He scored at the Under-17 World Cup. And he's a product of, of the Paraguayan League, which has been given, giving a lot of chances to young players over recent years. I think watching Cardoso in this competition should be fun, even though he's just a 17-year-old. Yeah, the, uh, Cardoso is definitely one of the star men to, to watch out for. And, and as you mentioned, he, he's popped up with a, with a few goals for Olympia. Um, which is impressive for someone, yeah, who who won't turn 18 until uh, until February. So he's he's going to be big up front for them. Like you said, there, there are a lot of attacking options there. Um, for me, the guy that I'm most looking forward to is Ivan Franco. He's he's someone who uh, impressed me in in some of his spells, um, certainly for um, in the league, but also um, I think we we got a glimpse of him in the Libertadores um, and. You know, for a young guy who's who's been trusted and, and given the ten shot for uh, Libertad, um, he's he's someone who I think is gonna is gonna be the creative focal point, and uh, a guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing is is Quintana as well because he's he's only 17, he's broken through. Well, I think he's played 11 senior games and, and scored a couple of goals, so he's going to be an interesting midfielder as well. But yeah, throughout the squad, you're looking at guys who've, who've represented some of the biggest clubs in Paraguay. And um, yeah, I think there's 
the very least, we're going to see some some guys who, who go on and become part of this new Paraguayan generation that's that's slowly phasing out um, the old guys. So it's, it's an exciting time for Paraguay, for sure. And a couple other names that I wanted to give mention to uh, that our listeners keep an eye out for. Marcelino Yamandu at Cerro Porteño. Did I get that right? Yamandu? There's a lot of lines over the letters yeah. in that name, but I think I got yeah, it. Yeah, a lot of squiggles. Uh, yeah. I, I like it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, he had seven starts and a goal for Cerro Porteño in 2018. Uh, he's a good ball-winning, uh, ball-playing central defensive midfielder. Uh, I think he would fit right into the Brazilian team. Uh, you like him in that number five role. He can break up the opposing attack, but also can start your own attack. Uh, I think he'll be really useful in possession for this Paraguay side, particularly as they maybe play, play some teams that, that look to sit back and, and hit at them on the counter. Uh, his distribution from the back should be one to watch out for. And then another name that, that's more of a dart throw than anything is Diego Huesca, the goalkeeper who's playing at the youth level for Valencia or is at least a member of the Valencia youth teams. To be quite honest with you, Tom, I have no idea what Diego Huesca has been up to over the past couple of years. But anytime you see a Spanish flag by the club, you at least get a little bit intrigued. It could be a good sign. It could be a bad sign. Uh, but maybe we'll see him between the sticks and some performances. That's th- I think the difficulty about previewing this competition is try as hard as we will and we have to profile every player that we think will do well. There still will be somebody who pops up at, uh, seemingly out of nowhere to, to have a good competition. And who knows, maybe that's Wesca and goal for Paraguay. Exactly, yeah. And I think what we can always say about uh, Paraguay as well is if we're going to throw out the cliches, is they, they're going to have some pretty no-nonsense defenders in there as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Paraguay could be a dark horse to watch. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily tip them for, uh, to, you know, to win the whole thing or anything like that. But I definitely think they could be a fun team to watch out for. And, uh, yeah. Like, like I said before, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these guys that maybe we don't see quite as much of um, on, a, on a week-to-week basis or even as much in uh, the continental to, uh, competitions. Tom, let's move now from Paraguay to Uruguay. Uh, Fabian Coito will take control of this side, always a dangerous side at the South American level. Uh, they've got nine players who are playing outside of Uruguay. They were the best team at the 27 edition of this competition. They won four of their five matches in the final qualifying group. They made the World Cup. But, Tom, there's no other place to start with this Uruguay team than the question that is surely on everyone's mind. How is Nicolas Chiapacase still eligible for this tournament? How? He's been around <laughs> forever. Exactly. And I think, yeah, he falls into that Carlos Cuesta category. You're like, you still, surely you're like 22 or something now. But, yeah, one of those guys who just broke through at such a ridiculously young age and, um, yeah, he's someone who who went into the last under twenties with a with a really big reputation and uh, and didn't do anything to justify. He was one of the big disappointments, and to be honest, the last couple of years haven't haven't gone much better for him. So, this is going to be a, a case of trying to reignite his career. And hey, he's only twenty years old, so there's, there's plenty more time. And and you know maybe maybe he can use that as fuel and inspiration to to, to best forward. And he's been given the number ten shirt, so you expect him to feature. Um, pretty heavily. Another name that sticks out to me, Tom, is Bruno Mendes, uh, the Montevideo Wanderers defender. He's been in the full Uruguay side. Uh, we know Uruguay love their defenders. I think Mendes should be fun to watch at this competition. Yeah, he's already got a couple of caps there and by, by all accounts handled himself pretty well against um, Brazil and France. So it doesn't get much harder than that. Again, like you said, definitely more in the mold of um, Godin um, or, or Jimenez. He's he's a sort of fairly no nonsense defender. He can he can sort of 
play it around a bit and he looks very um, calm and composed for, for someone that young. Um, it's, he's one of those defenders where you, you see him kind of bringing the ball out and he doesn't look necessarily the most natural at it, but it seems to, it seems to work nevertheless. A bit Mamadou Sacco, uh, if, um, if if you're liking that analogy. Um, but certainly, I think Uruguay's um, strength will uh, lie in their defence this time around. Uh, last time we saw them producing this great crop of technical gifted mid- midfielders, whereas this time I look at that defence and I think that is going to be one of the toughest ones to, to break down. In Israel Franco, they've got a goalkeeper who's performed really well at youth level for both Uruguay and Nacional. Um, then they've also got Sebastian uh, Cáceres, who's who's featured a lot for for Liverpool in 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 Uruguay. There, um, Edgar Elizalde is is over in Italy with Pescara, and he's he's really highly rated. Um, and I really like the uh, the young right back from Peñarol, as Ezekiel Busquets. Um, he's he, he's sort of broken through in, in into one of the biggest clubs in in Uruguay there, and and, and impressed. So. Um, and they've even got yeah, Maxi Araujo, who, who gets a lot of game time um, in, in the Uruguayan uh, Primero as well. So I, I think that we're going to see a very solid um, defence there. Um, but there, there is a good amount of um, flair up front with um, Juan Manuel Sanabria, who's, who's been picked up by Atletico Madrid, and Juan Manuel Boselli as well, the defence uh, or sporting uh, forward who he's a very talented young player but he, he does need to add a few more goals to his game um but yeah i think it's going to be more of our typical uruguayan or stereotypical uruguayan garra and hoping that the likes of chiapacase sanaria uh, boselli and some of the other forwards can um can thrive up front um anyone anyone else that you're you're particularly looking forward to seeing i just wanted to ask you about pablo garcia uh, who's at river plate in argentina but i believe is maybe going back on loan to uruguay did i see that right at some point yeah i think he's listed uh, uh, as being with nacional um yeah not not a player i've seen a great deal of to be honest but um again um looks like he's got the number 11 uh, squad number there so um someone who should be who should be featuring a fair amount and and for me I'd, i also want to sort of just touch on um emiliano gomez who's who's one of the latest out of that amazing defense or sporting uh, academy uh, someone who broke through uh, sort of a 16 year old and and uh, is yeah d- doing well not necessarily getting loads of goals um at club level but someone who uh, you know is seen as you know the next uh, Maxi Gomez or someone like that. A very different type of forward, but someone who's uh, quite a prodigious talent. Let's move now from Uruguay to Ecuador, Tom. They had a strong performance in 2017 as the hosts. Uh, they won their initial group and then finished second in the qualifying group to make the Under-20 World Cup. I think that was a pretty impressive performance for Ecuador. Uh, there will be led at this competition by Diego Palacios, uh, who when I started to research this Ecuador team, saw that he played for Willem II and was under the impression that that was maybe a youth club of Willem. But no, that's the full first team <laughs> club's name. And he's really, really good. I like this Diego Palacios guy a lot. I think we will see a lot of him in an Ecuador shirt down the line. Yeah, you were mentioning earlier the, the player that kind of catches a few people by surprise. I think Diego Palacios could well be that. Um, Ecuador again, a team that are, you know, that they produce a lot of good young players, but I, th- I think they're maybe not given as much um, attention as, as perhaps they deserve. Um, and I think Palacios is going to be 
both important in defence and going forward. He's much like Estupinian, uh, um, who was who was a, a very pacey fullback for two years two years ago. I think Palacios is going to be um, someone who's uh, who's it so important in every aspect of the game. Yeah, you watch the clips of Palacios and you can really see how technical he is on the ball, which can be really tough for a young defender to master. But but he's really good at coming forward. Uh, he can give a build up from the back, you know, start the distribution from there. And I think Palacios is going to be a big, big part for this Ecuador side. I think he's really strong for his age and I expect big things certainly from him uh, for this Ecuador side. As far as the other things to look for from them, uh, you've got five players from Independiente del Valle, who we know are, are very strong at developing the young players in Ecuador. Moises Ramirez, their goalkeeper, made eight starts for Independiente del Valle. He's got the number one shirt. Uh, we'd expect to see him in the sticks at, at least at some point. Uh, John Jairo Espinoza is a player who's at Alcas. That's the club that, that developed Diego Palacios. Tom, I can't really tell you much about John Jairo Espinosa, the player. He made 14 appearances for Alcas in 2018. But as I was trying to learn more about him, his name is shared with a Pentecostal preacher. So, so if you need some Pentecostal preaching, just, just Google John Jairo Espinosa and, and I've got you covered. <laughs> Excellent. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that there, there will be some divine inspiration on, on his part to see Ecuador get through to the hexagonal because I think last time home advantage was such a big thing for them and they really put a lot of effort into making sure that they could um, impress in front of a home crowd and I think that carried them along the way along with some very good players it must be said as well but I don't think we're quite going to see the same level of uh, of talent this time around unfortunately um, a guy I think is going to be absolutely crucial for them is Jordan Rezabala who's a number 10, really classy, technical, gifted young player who's been you know, he's been on trial at a few clubs in Europe. Ajax, very interested in him. And again, one of the guys who've come out of that fantastic independent, the Lervage um, Academy. Uh, there's yeah, a good what, five or six of them in the, in the squad there. Um, Gonzalo Plata, the, the forward, another one who, who should be uh, worth keeping an eye on. So, yeah, th- there's definitely talent there. But I think in... In, in a tough group with Argentina, Uruguay and Paraguay looking really strong. It's going to be tough for them this time around to, to replicate what they did last time. A couple of other players I wanted to mention. There's a pair of players in this Ecuador side that, that feature in Chile right now. Santiago Macolta at Union La Calera and Alexander Bolaños, who's at Colo Colo. A couple of first team appearances for Bolaños to close out 2018. Macolta uh, had some success at the under-17 championships in 2017. He's really strong for his age. A powerful attacker. Uh, he can, he's kind of can interchange between the wings or up top. I think his strength and pace could be a real problem for, for opposing fullbacks and opposing sides. He went on some big marauding runs at, at that under-17 championship in, in 2017. So watch for his strength to maybe play a role and to give some problems. We talked about this uh, in the Group A podcast with Colombia. One of the things you look for in this competition is, okay, these players that have maybe gotten by on just the physical prowess of simply being stronger and bigger than everybody else at their age level, how do they do now when they come up against players who can maybe match them for strength or match them for pace? Do they have the technical ability to, to create those same spaces and have that same effect on the game? And I think Mikolta could be a really interesting case of that in this competition. Yeah, for sure. I think um, that's a good point. And certainly when you get to under 20 level, you do see um, this kind of physical 
advantage is that sometimes can make such a big difference at under 17s slightly leveled somewhat and and you get a better idea of whether these players have got the intelligence and, and technical ability really to to kick on so i think uh, i think ecuador are always going to be a, a tough match for, for anyone but um yeah as i said before it it might not be quite uh, as good as last time unfortunately unless uh Espinosa can have a word with the big man upstairs. <laughs> the final team to preview here on this Group B podcast is Peru. Uh, the majority of this side featuring in Peru, Tom, what can we expect from the Peruvians under head coach Daniel Ahmed, the Argentine? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. I think they do look like they have a slightly um, better squad than, than maybe we've seen in uh, a couple of years gone by they they always seem to have some good players but it doesn't seem to click and um they, I, I remember like some of the, the the performances last year they 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 were just a bit unlucky in certain moments and didn't really take chances and and kind of made a rod for their own back really but i think there are some there's some talented players to watch marcos lopez i think by all accounts is is probably the standout player for them someone who can play either left back or left wing um and you know the young the young sporting cristal guy is is definitely one guy that i'm going to be having a look out for because like like palacios for ecuador he's someone who can contribute both offensively and defensively um one I like, note on on lopez tom he was actually just yeah. signed by san jose earthquakes here in the united oh. states um working with matthias well, almeida the former Chivas manager, the Argentine. Uh, so he obviously liked what he saw. He was part of that that Sporting Cristal side that just ran through the Peruvian league. Uh, so so Lopez certainly could be somebody uh, to watch out for and could maybe be the key player for Peru in this competition. Exactly. Clubs already swooping before the, the, the tournament's even kicked off. Um, another player that I really like, uh, mainly for his name, is uh, Jairo Concha. Uh, Concha for any... Uh, Latin American speaking or Spanish speaking uh, people will uh, will have a, a double uh, entendre there. It doesn't just mean shell; it also means something a rather ruder. Um, family so, show. It's uh, a family show, Tom. Family. Yeah, show. it's a family show. Yeah, so you know, I didn't didn't spell it out, but he's uh, he's someone who's who's good, and I think um, I think uh, we, we can expect him to be an important part of, of the midfield for for Peru and one last player that I'd, I'd like to mention is um, the sort of mercurial young talent of uh, Fernando Pacheco who was part of the under 20s the last time around really good technical player a bit lightweight a bit selfish um, and maybe he's that kind of guy who can provide a little bit of inspiration uh, for Peru but I think it's whereas in, in the other group I think you've got some like a, a much bigger width of, of talent or a bit a bigger gap between the top teams and, and the bottom teams i think this group is going to be tighter um I, I do stick with my argentina paraguay uruguay um as progressing but i think that you're not going to see um you're going to see teams picking points off each other and and certainly there could be the odd surprise that um even other teams being the kingmakers in in terms of uh, making sure who who goes through. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's it's going to be certainly with my interest in Argentina. I'm I'm going to be more focused on Group B because um, I think there might be a few surprise players to to pop out of here, and and Peru could certainly be be one of them. I think that's the thing about this competition is it's not as you know stratified, if you will, as maybe the South American full national teams are. 
yes, you know, some of the countries like, like Peru and Ecuador and Bolivia are a bit behind. But as we saw with Venezuela in 2017, the right group of players and even the, the, the smallest nation in South America can, can make a run at this type of competition. So, you know, we may write off Peru and, and Ecuador on paper and, and even Bolivia, but the, a run can be had in this competition with the right group of players. And, and there's nothing stopping both Peru and Ecuador, I think, in this group from maybe being that team, from spoiling the party if Argentina, Uruguay, or Paraguay do slip up at some point in the group stage and maybe making a surprise trip to that hexagonal. And they might not make the World Cup, but that would be a very impressive showing for, I think, either of those two sides. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think that's a great point. And, uh, yeah, after discussing all these t- uh, teams now, I'm uh, I'm getting very, very excited uh, for the, the kickoff, which is probably just moments away for, uh, for if you're listening to this right now. <laughs> for those who are wondering, kickoff will be on Thursday, January 17th with Group A. Group B will kick off on the 18th, and then the groups will alternate days. One team from each group will obviously sit out on each match day with five teams in each group. Uh, be sure to follow Tom on Twitter. Tom, where are you on Twitter for the listeners who may not have you yet? Um, so if you haven't, then what are you doing? But um, it's at TomRobo89. I've been fairly quiet on, on Twitter um, lately, but um, hopefully uh, with the new year, I'll, I'll be stepping up again. And, and certainly this is one of my favorite tournaments. So expect um, a plenty of uh, tweets about random and under 20 South American football for me. <laughs> so be sure to follow Tom for updates. I'm on Twitter at Austin underscore James 906. I'll be tweeting my observations as they come. I'll be sure to follow the World Football Index on social media as well for all the latest from us. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you may have listened to us. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the competition and goodbye.